This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Hi, family. This weekend is a very important weekend. It's Pentecost Sunday. It's the day that the Holy Spirit descended into the upper room on Mount Zion in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. 120 followers of Jesus were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. That is the day that the church of Jesus Christ came into existence. That is the day that the church was born. It was set on fire by God when the Holy Spirit entered those believers. From there, they went around the world preaching about Jesus. We need a revival like that today, especially with all the things we are facing in our world today. So let's agree together and pray on this very Pentecost weekend that God would pour out His Spirit, the rain in the time of the latter rain, and that a mighty revival will begin around the world on this Pentecost weekend. Let's bow and pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for Pentecost Sunday. We remember 2,000 years ago what happened when the fire settled on each believer and they went out and preached about Jesus and turned the world upside down. And we pray and ask you, God, for rain in this time of the latter rain. We ask you, Father, to pour out your Spirit upon all believers and upon all flesh in this hour. Let this be begin a revival that will change the world, that will open up the opportunity for Jesus to come, the rapture to happen, and for us to go. We thank you now. We believe you've heard our prayer as we unite together in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Praise God. Thank you for inviting us into your home. We're living in a world that's filled with so many concerns at the moment, so many fears and worries and stresses. Whatever your particular concern might be, whether it's a fear of something that you are facing or a worry there's only one cure for all of this, and that's faith. When faith comes in the front door, fear and concern goes out the back door. And when we allow fears and worries to come in the front door, our faith will go out the back door. So we have to be careful where we focus our attention. Because if we give too much attention to the wrong thing, fear will dominate our life 
and so will the devil and he'll paralyze us. Whatever happens in this world, whatever challenges this world is going to go through the next weeks, months or years, we must realize this one thing, that the Heavenly Father is well able to take care of every individual child of His that trusts in Him or believes in Him. No matter what you face, no matter what happens in the world, God is able to take care of you in these circumstances. The title of my message is God is Merciful. This is a necessary subject because so many folks have got this idea that God will help everybody, but I'm not so sure He's going to help me because I don't really deserve God's help. And I've heard countless people tell me that through the years. I don't really deserve God's help. And that's because they don't understand the nature and character of God. They don't understand who God is, what He's like. If they knew that, they wouldn't feel that way. They feel they have to earn God's approval and they have to earn the right to be heard and God will only answer their prayer if they deserve it. That's not the truth. For the truth is, none of us deserve anything from God. But God is merciful. And as we find out about this subject of God's mercy, I believe it's going to lift your confidence in God and your faith in God and prepare you for the challenges that lie ahead and bring great blessing to you. So stay with us. I believe it'll help you. We're going to start off with John chapter 15 and verse 5. The Lord Jesus said, Without me you can do nothing. Without me you can do nothing. I know we read that, and so many of us just kind of read over it and think, it's just a nice cliche, because I know I can do stuff without Jesus. Well, no, <laughs> Jesus didn't just say things for the sake of having nothing to say. If he said we can't do anything without him, then that's what it means. We can't do anything without him. In fact, he is the creator of all things, and he is the life source of all things, right? Right now, we can't even breathe without him, because he's the life source of everything. But that's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is, we can't succeed in life without trusting in him. We can't succeed in life without trusting in him. We can't, without me, you can do nothing. Then another scripture I would like to look at is James 1.7. Without faith, let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. So once again, we see that we can't receive anything from God without faith, and we cannot succeed in life without God and without faith. And we know faith comes by hearing the word, so that's what we're doing right now. Then 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5 says, from the New Living Translation, our only power and success come from God. Our only power and success comes from God. That means there's no other success in life except God works through us, enables us 
to accomplish it. If I'm worried, if I'm anxious, if I'm unfulfilled, if I feel like I'm caught in this rat race, like a rat on this wheel that keeps going round and round, and nothing seems to change, and I make no progress, if I feel like that, if I feel like I'm without hope, never see any improvement in my life, then I'm struggling in my own strength. The reason for all of that is because folks are struggling in their own strength. Like a car wheel spinning in the mud, going nowhere. I'm not resting in God's help. I'm not resting in God's help. That's why folks don't make any progress. When someone first gets saved, they first give their heart to Jesus, they trust totally in God's grace to save them from hell, accept them as God's child and take them to heaven. They, they walk away knowing I'm saved because God has forgiven me, God's merciful. But unfortunately, they don't continue along that, that same road. In the new Christian, if the new Christian continues to trust God like that, then he will grow spiritually and succeed in life. Unfortunately, many Christians depend on their own human ability, trying to live by their own strength. They start out with salvation by grace, trusting in the Lord, and then they say, I'm saved now, God. Thanks, I got it from here. I'll take over. I'll handle everything myself. That's the problem. They might not say it, but that's how they behave. Colossians 2.6 says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. What's that mean? As you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. What's, it God, what's God talking about? He's saying the grace that saved us is the grace that keeps us, is the same grace that causes us to succeed in life. Let's say that together. Say this with me. The grace that saved me is the grace that keeps me, is the same grace that causes me to succeed. If the greatest change that ever happened in our Christian life came when we got saved by simply believing in God's mercy, why not continue in the Christian life by simply believing in God and His mercy to help us do everything in life? Like Paul said, I do all things through the strength of Christ, through Christ who strengthens me. Not some, but all. Galatians 3.3 from the New Living Translation says, Have you lost your senses? After starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? You started believing in Jesus for salvation, and now you want to grow spiritually 
and succeed in life in your own effort. That's what Paul is talking about here, or that's what God is saying through Paul. This is a constant battle. Every Christian has to deal with this on a daily basis. What am I talking about? I'm saying we have two options. One, first option, by faith, depend on God's ability to help us in life, to live the Christian life and to succeed in life and do everything we need to do in life. By faith, depending on God to work through us and be our strength and ability, our wisdom and everything else. The other option is to ignore God's help, ignore God's help by doing things in our own ability for God. And you've heard that statement. God helps those who help themselves. Well, unfortunately, that's wrong. That idea comes from the devil because that tells us to depend on our own ability and ignore God's help. That's what gets us all into trouble, gets us into this rat race of making no progress in life and feeling unfulfilled and insecure and unproductive, feeling like a failure because we're not going to succeed in our own strength and will not be rewarded for it either. There's no reward for doing stuff in the flesh. The the work of the flesh is like filthy uh, rags in the eyes of God. And the Bible says that which is without faith is a sin. So everything we do in life, there must be that heart reliance on God. And if we know that the Father is a merciful God, it's so much easier for, for us to know He won't abandon us and He'll help us. And it's not because we deserve it, but because He's merciful. All right. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. The Bible said, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace. Or you might say, make progress in life, spiritually and materially and every other way, by depending on the grace of God. Then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For God made Christ who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God, through Christ. Praise God. What's that telling us? It's telling us that God's righteousness is a gift to us. He has given us His own righteousness as a gift. We are righteous with God's righteousness. Because? Because we believe in Jesus. That's why. Not because you've climbed the highest mountain or sung the deepest sea. God has completely changed our heart He has removed Satan's nature out from our heart and he's put Christ's nature into our heart. I know before I became a Christian, I used to enjoy sin. I looked forward to doing things that were wrong and bad. Now I don't. Now I want to please God. So I've changed totally. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean I ever make mistakes. But... My whole desire has changed because now I have God's nature 
and not the devil's nature. This means we don't make, does this mean, does this mean we don't make mistakes anymore? No. Of course not. We're all human. We all will make mistakes. Does this mean we don't regret doing things wrong when we do them wrong? No. We do regret doing things wrong when we do them wrong. From time to time, we do things wrong. All of us will. And all of us regret it. But if I make a mistake, I can ask God to forgive me. Because Jesus bought forgiveness for every sin we'll ever commit in eternity or in the next 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 100 years. He has paid for all of that. Not eternity, because eternity you're not going to be sinning. Now, so in the bank is your forgiveness. And whenever you make a mistake, go for a withdrawal. You don't beg God to forgive you. He's paid for it already. You say, Father, I ask you to forgive me, knowing he has, and you accept and receive the forgiveness you need. That's what we do. 1 John 1, 9, the great apostle John wrote this, and he said, if we, including himself, we means John as well, if we confess our sins, that means if I acknowledge my mistake, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that prefix un, when you remove that, you're left with righteousness again. So our lives can improve by trusting in God to help us. Therefore, let's say this together. Thank you for keeping me holy, Father. Say this. Father, thank you for keeping me in your perfect plan for my life. Say this. Father, thank you for helping me succeed in life. Now say this. Father, thank you for ordering my steps according to Psalm 37, 23. You see, family, when we say things like that, or thank you for helping me as I go to work today, thank you for working through me, Thank you for your wisdom, your ability, and uh, whatever else you need for that day. When you thank Him for it, that then means you're depending on the Father's love and grace to carry you through the day. You're not just going there ignoring God. Because of the blood of Jesus, we have no more consciousness of sin. Because of the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary, we can stay in the Father's presence and talk to God without feeling condemned and guilty. We have no awareness of sin. The blood of Jesus has cleansed us. If we make a mistake, we can ask God to forgive us. Thank you, Jesus. A good example to illustrate the difference between those who understand grace and those who don't understand grace is the well-known story of the children of Israel going to the promised land of Canaan. God wanted them to go into the promised land. God wanted to give them houses that they had not built themselves. God wanted to eat from the fruit trees that they never planted. And God wanted them to be happy. He wants His children to receive free of charge because of His grace and mercy things that they had not worked for. The children of Israel could not see God's intention. 
They could not focus on God's ability to get this done for them. They could not grasp or understand this grace of God to give them all these things. All they could see were the giants in the land. Like so many Christians today, they can only see their problems. Their problems stand before them like a giant mountain. God never intended for them to take possession of Canaan in their own strength. This is a type. This is a shadow. This is an example of how we are to overcome the flesh, the world, and the devil. What we see here happening with Israel. It's an example of how we are to overcome life's challenges. Them coming into Canaan is an example of how we are to progress and succeed in life by depending on our God of mercy. Now, 40 years later, this became clear to us when we see what God said to the younger generation of Israelites after they had conquered Canaan. All right, we're going to read from the Bible something that God said to the children of Israel after they had successfully gone into the land 40 years later and conquered it. All right, Joshua 24, 11. When you crossed the Jordan River and came to Jericho, the men of Jericho fought against you. There were also many others who fought you, including the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now watch this line. But God says this, But I gave you victory over them. I gave you, God said. Even though you fought, I gave you. And then he says in verse 12, And I sent hornets ahead of you to drive out the two kings of the Amorites. It was not your swords or bows that brought you victory. I gave you land you had not worked for, and I gave you cities you did not build. The cities in which you are now living, I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. This is very interesting. You see, these are all types and shadows of what God intends for us today, His children. We must understand that everything has been purchased for us by Christ, that we are the heirs of God and the joint heirs with Christ, that everything is ours, everything pertaining to life and godliness. And Romans 8.32 says that Christ has given, God has given us everything. And Ephesians 1.3 says that we are blessed with every blessing. So if all this is ours, then God wants us as his children to enjoy his blessings by depending on him as a God of mercy and stop struggling in our own strength. Of course, then he'll get all the glory. But if we feel like we've accomplished stuff, then we're going to take the glory and not give it to God. God tells Israel here in verse 13, even though they fought with swords and killed thousands, it was not the swords that brought them victory. It was God's grace. It was God's mercy. God did it. 
God deserves all the glory. However, the children of Israel did not enter Canaan the first attempt because of unbelief. The older generation, 40 years earlier, did not get across the border because of unbelief. Hebrews 3 verse 19 says, So we see that they could not enter into the promised land because of unbelief. It was God who planned and organized their deliverance from Egypt. God initiated their deliverance, and God did it. It was God's mercy and God's grace. That's why he did it, his love for his people. Not believing that this God of mercy who brought them out of Egypt, would be able to take them into Canaan, cost the older generation their destiny. Say this with me. By not trusting in a merciful God, the older generation of Israelites missed their destiny. We all know what happened. They end up dying in the wilderness. They wandered around the desert for 40 years because of this. They were afraid in the desert, frustrated in the desert. And that, dear child of God, is the end result of all those who try and do things in the flesh. That's what happens to every Christian who tries to do stuff today without God's help not depending on God, rushing ahead and doing things in their own strength. That's what that ends up. They end up being frustrated, afraid, confused, and they become failures. Wandering around in the wilderness of life without direction. The older children of Israel imagined they had to conquer the giants for God. They imagined they had to conquer these giants in their own strength. By sheer determination, perhaps, or by sheer willpower, perhaps. However, the only way is faith in a merciful God. There's no other way. We must come to this understanding. If we expect to move forward in life, we have to understand this. They turned their backs on their destiny. They turned their backs on their inheritance. They could not face the challenges of life. And that's what we do today. We turn our backs on our inheritance. We cannot face the challenges of life if we do this. Their children conquered the giants 40 years later by trusting in a merciful God. The Apostle Paul gives Timothy a young pastor, someone he led to Christ, some very good advice to help him succeed with his ministry as the pastor of a church in Ephesus. Paul says this to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, 
Be confident in the grace of God to help you. That's how you're going to pastor your church, Timothy. That's how you're going to make a success of this. Be confident in the grace of God to help you. God's grace is there for you, Timothy. Because, Timothy, you believe in Jesus. That's why. That's why. Depending on the grace of God will enable us to fulfill our purpose in life. Depending on the grace of God will help us do our secular work. Depending on the grace of God will help us overcome life's challenges. Depending on God's grace will help us overcome and accomplish our goals in life. It will help us fulfill our destiny. And without the grace of God, none of that's possible. Once again, remember, everything we receive from God comes through the Word of God, including the mercy and grace of God. Everything we receive in life comes through the Word. First you hear the Word, then you receive whatever it is you want. Whether it's healing, it comes to the Word. Salvation comes to the Word. When we say by grace, through faith, sure we are. But there's a lot of folks out there who have no grace, no salvation. Why? Because they don't know what the Word says. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have their lost in life. When they hear that, then grace for salvation comes to them. So even grace and mercy comes to us from knowing what the Word of God says. There's nothing you will ever receive from life. Financial prosperity, all of it comes to the Word. Don't ignore God's Word in your life. Especially in these times. Now then, remember, if we persist on depending in our own ability and ignore God's help, God in His mercy will stand by and watch us fail. Let me say that again. If we persist in depending on our own ability, God in His mercy will stand by and watch us fail. Watch us lose everything. Until we cry out, God, I can't do this. Until we throw in the towel, until we give up, and then when we give up and finally turn to the Word of God and find a scripture, just one's enough, that promises us the answer to our problem, and we meditate on that one verse, we'll find rest will come. Rest will come. And that means, even though the problem hasn't gone away, rest will come. That means you're in faith. You're trusting in God's mercy. Because the Bible said, they that have believed have entered into rest. So rest in the middle of the storm is the evidence of faith. Peace in the middle of the storm is the evidence of faith. Now anybody can have peace and rest when everything's going smoothly and you're on vacation on your father's yacht. Then we have got lots of peace and lots of rest. I'm talking about in the middle of your storm. If you have peace then or rest then, then you're in faith. All right. Let's say this together. Father God, 
You have now got my problem. Let's give it to God. <laughs> Let's say, Father, I give you my problems in the name of Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all my care upon you. Say that right now. I give you my problems, Father. And I say, Father, you've got this. Even though I can't see it, you are working. I love that song. Even though I can't see it, you are fixing everything right now. Thank you, Father God. I am depending on your grace and your mercy. Because you love us so much, I know you've got this. Praise the Lord. When you do that, family, God will pour out His Spirit and bless you abundantly in your life. When you do that, you'll start progressing in life. You'll come out of this rat race of feeling you're not making any difference anywhere. And you'll start succeeding and start influencing people. The minute you start depending on God, God can start working through you and for you. Well, Pastor Reverend, I love you and we are praying for you. Remember, no matter what goes on in this world around you, God is on your side and He's going to help you succeed. We love you very much. Let's kindly bow our heads and close our eyes. If you are listening to this message today and you do not know the Lord Jesus and you are unsure about your eternity, where will I go when I die? If that's you right now, God loves you and He wants you to go to heaven. He bought that for you on the cross. Say this little prayer with me. Dear Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. Thank you, Lord. Come into my heart. Thank you, Jesus. You are the Lord of my life. I will live for you with all my heart till I see you on that wonderful day in heaven. Now, if you said that from the heart, if you mean what you say, we'll see you in heaven. We love you all. God bless you. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Oh, 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 oh,